Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. Today in this episode, I'm going to share with you some things that have helped me personally in my recovery. This, I do believe, was an outsourced suggestion from my Instagram. Every now and again, when I'm thinking of ideas, I put a little post on Instagram and ask you guys um, what you would like me to record a podcast on. And I do believe that this topic came from there. So although I'm going to be talking about what's helped me in my recovery, I do want to begin this episode by saying everybody recovers differently and what helps one person isn't necessarily what will help everyone. And it's really important that as we navigate our healing journeys, we don't just do things because they helped someone else. We do things because they feel aligned and congruent and supportive of our own physiology and our own nervous system. And I always say that part of healing is finding the things that work for us and how we find the things that work for us is by building that greater sense of connection to our bodies and to ourselves. So please take what you need from this episode, leave the rest behind. And what I'll also do is, although I'll focus the majority of the episode on things that have helped me personally, I've done a little brainstorm of other things that have helped the clients that I've worked with. So I'll be sharing those with you as well at the end. Additionally, I also wanted to say that there's usually not one thing. I do believe there are what I call big rocks. So there are usually a few big things, maybe two or three or four big things that can really make a difference. Those big things that give us the big legs up in our journey. But often there are a whole bunch of little things that don't necessarily give us the big legs up, but they create the foundations on which the legs stand. So what I mean by this is there may be a certain amount of stabilizing which is required and the work we do to stabilize ourselves, although it doesn't necessarily give us big traction in our capacity, is a really important part of the process. The other thing that I'll share as well is I was doing some training recently and as part of the training I was listening to a testimonial from the client in a case study and the client said for the first six months of the interventions that he was taking and this client was very 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 unwell and so for the first six months of the interventions they were trying to reverse a process of decline that was happening so just to explain here is the person was very unwell they were deteriorating they were becoming worse and worse across time then they went to go and see the practitioner who was delivering the training and i'll tell you who it was it was dr karazian and so then dr karazian started working with this person did a proper assessment and then made the suggestions for interventions that were necessary but because this person had been so rapidly declining it took six months to kind of halt the decline, so apply the brakes on the decline and then get everything moving in the other direction again. 
And the reason why I say this is I say this is because sometimes we have to have patience to show up and do the things that aren't necessarily giving us these big jumps ahead in our journey, but are really important for creating enough stability to then jump ahead in our journey. And also, in my opinion, Dr. Karazian is one of the best brains in the world when it comes to conditions like chronic fatigue syndrome. And if it takes him six months to get traction with his more complex clients, if you're working with a practitioner who's maybe not as skilled as Dr. Karazian, you may also need to have patience and commitment and give yourself time to work with your practitioner, whoever they may be, before jumping ship. So on that note, I'll also just say that depending on your root cause, you're also going to need different things. So somebody who is maybe unwell because of heavy metals maybe needs something different to somebody who is unwell because they have mold or a post-viral illness or somebody whose nervous system is really being impacted or has been impacted due to chronic stress and trauma may need a different approach to somebody who has a lot of intestinal parasites. So everybody's journey is different. And even within the journey, somebody who has heavy metals may need a different approach to somebody else who has heavy metals because they're different combinations of things showing up. So as I launch into telling you about what worked for me, I really did just want to highlight those points is we're all different. Healing is finding the things that are supportive for our bodies and our nervous systems. Healing takes time and not all stages look like progress. Sometimes there's a breaking that is required before there is a change in direction. And even within different challenges or within the same challenges, should I rather say, we may need different approaches because we're all unique. We all have different combinations of things we need to work through. So on that note, I'll talk a little bit more about myself. So I break my personal journey down into a series of different stages. I would say I first became symptomatic with symptoms of lethargy, a little bit of post-exertional malaise and brain fog from about 2016 to 2019. And that's the, those are the years that I describe as circling the drain. So um, I was still highly functional in my life. I was doing a lot. I was achieving a lot. But I was kind of, the warning signs were there and I was continuing to push my body as many people do. So I don't really class that time as a, a chronic illness experience. I think it was the beginnings of a chronic illness experience. Where my journey officially begins in my mind is 2019. And that was the point where I could no longer keep up with the life I had before. And in that, in that point in time, I think my fatigue went from intermittent to chronic. And 2019 to 2020, I did a lot of healing. Then at the end of 2020, that's when I had a mold exposure, whether it was a second mold exposure or just a top-up mold exposure. I'll never know for sure, but it's a very definitive time Um when something changed in my healing journey and I went backwards. 
So for, you know, we always hear that healing is not linear. And that was definitely my experience in 2019 to 2020. I made quite a bit of progress, actually. And then I went way back in 2020. So then from 2020 to 2021, I had this unknown mold exposure, which was really impacting my body. And I don't really feel like I made that much progress in that year, but I'll, I'll go into it in a little bit more detail. Then we had 2021 to 2022, where there was a lot of nervous system stuff happening. And I'll go into all of these years in a bit more detail, but just to give you the big picture at this point in time. And then I had 2022 to 2023, where I think there was a there was a lot more going on there um, in terms of mold detox and parasites and things like that. So I'll break these stages down and just talk about each of these stages in a little bit more detail. But it's it's been a four year journey for me. And never mind, there were probably about three years or two and a half years prior to that where I was navigating a lot of symptoms. They were just more intermittent. And I always say intermittent symptoms that are ignored become chronic. So if you're somebody who's not quite in that chronic space just yet, you're still quite functional in your life, I would really encourage you not to ignore the niggles. Because if you ignore the niggles, they just become louder and louder until they eventually scream at you. And then you're going to have a lot more work to do. So 2019 to 2020 was when that I switched from becoming intermittently affected to chronically affected. And that was the point in time when I eventually had to admit to myself that something was wrong and do the hard thing, which is ask for help and ask for support. And that started with me just going to the doctor. They just ran some routine tests. You know the drill, you're told everything is normal. Um, Because of my experience already in the healthcare system, working as a functional medicine practitioner, nutritional therapist, I kind of knew that there wasn't a lot they would be able to do for me anyway. So I didn't really pursue things. I went to one doctor's appointment and a follow-up set of blood tests, and, and that was it. But instead, I reached out to my friend, Dr. Lacey Chiddle, who is a functional medicine practitioner who I met when I was doing my functional medicine training, and um, I asked her to help and support me. And we worked together on and off for the course of that year, and um, I do believe we made some good progress in that year. And the things that helped me the most, we did lots of little things, but if I was to highlight the things that I felt helped me the most, the number one thing was just getting on top of my blood sugar. I had thought because I was this fit and healthy person previously that, um, you know, I could kind of eat what I wanted because I was so physically active and I had a lot of muscle mass. But when she drilled down on me and she said, please, will you measure your blood sugar and do this and do that? And I realized that I had um, a lot of blood sugar imbalances. My blood sugar was just going too high after meals and it wasn't coming down appropriately. So I really had to strip the carbohydrates back from my diet. Eventually went ketogenic. I played around with some fasting, trying to do a daily 16-hour fast. I did some weekly 24-hour fasts. And then I would also maybe once a month, depending on where I was in my menstrual cycle, do a 36 or 42-hour fast. So I was doing a lot of work on my metabolic system through blood sugar stabilization, ketogenic diet, fasting, 
And I really felt great doing that. Um, I'm sure I've spoken about that more on this podcast already, but I remember the first time I did a 24-hour fast, um, Ben's family were here visiting and um, they had all gone out for lunch. I can't remember what I was doing. I was probably working or something. And um, everybody came back from lunch. And of course, I'd been fasting. I hadn't eaten anything. And everybody else was sitting on the sofa, being all tired and sleepy and falling asleep. And there I was, like bright as a button with loads of energy. And I was the person who was recovering from chronic fatigue at this point in time. Yet I was the most energized person in the room. So that was a testament to me of how much fasting really helped to support my energy levels. And um, it wasn't something I continued for my entire journey for various reasons. It's not something I'm doing that much now at the moment. But at that time, it was really helpful for me. And also, I think there's also something about just when you are working through a chronic illness, just having things that you feel help you help you to feel a little bit more in control in a situation that can feel very overwhelming, uncertain and out of control. So that felt like something that I could manage, something I could control. My achiever liked it because she saw it as a challenge, um, which can potentially be problematic. But I think that part of me was still very dominant at that stage in my journey. So having something for her to hold on to was really helpful just to prevent me from going into too much distress at that point in time. The other thing that was really useful in that part of my journey was antioxidants. I I started and I still do to this day take curcumin several times a day. There's a product I really like here in the UK. It's a Nutri Advanced product. It's called Curcumin Megazorb. It's 500 milligrams of curcumin per capsule and I could take anything from like three to six per day depending on what was going on with me. People with chronic fatigue do generally tend to need antioxidant support especially around exercise so curcumin can be a pretty good choice. Curcumin can be problematic for for some people so you do need to trade with caution and if you feel like it's not working well for you then stop taking it. But for me, it was very beneficial. Um, And then the other things that really helped to support me in that time were yin yoga. At the time, I was part of a yoga studio, which was a hot yoga studio. They actually used to do a hot yin yoga class. So you had the benefit of the infrared heat, but also the nervous system nourishment of the yin yoga practices. And the combination of those those two things, the heat and the yin yoga, was very, very comforting for my system. And also in that time, I started doing my own infrared saunas independently of the hot yin yoga. And that was really good for me as well. And I don't know if that's because there was some mold in my system that I was clearing out or just the general detoxification benefits or the nervous system benefits from the heat or, or who knows. But if you were to ask me to name the things that really helped me in my journey at that stage, it would have been the infrared sauna, the yin yoga, the antioxidant supports, the blood sugar management and the fasting. Those would be my top picks. Now here I will say, if you're someone listening to this podcast, you know, heat may not be appropriate for you right now. Maybe you don't have a good heat tolerance. Fasting and a ketogenic diet also may not be appropriate for you at this time if you have 
low cortisol, you're prone to hypoglycemia, it might be something that it would just be too stressful for your body right now. So this is where we have to appreciate that there's a, a nuance in every single case. And my job as a practitioner is to help people understand where they are in their journey, see the bigger picture, and then help them prioritize the actions which are most important for their bodies in that moment, bearing in mind that it was something that will also change over time as they move through their healing journey. So by the end of 2019, I'd actually even started doing like a little bit of resistance training again, like very small workouts. Like I would put some gymnastics rings in the tree outside our house. I would do some pull-ups. I would do some squats. Um, I would do some ring dips with the gymnastics rings. Um, just a little body weight workout. And provided I didn't too much and I rested enough between sets, I was, I was doing okay. But in all honesty, my digestion at that point in time was an absolute mess and I wasn't really going to get the traction that I wanted to with my recovery until my digestion was sorted, which which took a very long time. So that was helpful or those things were helpful in that first year. Then moving into 2020 to 2021, I suspect I had my mold exposure at the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020. I was temporarily living in a flat which um, where I think I was re-exposed to mold um, and then lockdown happened and um, uh, I ended up moving and then I'm in the home that I'm in now and um, as I sort of moved we also went into lockdown so there was a lot going on at the time and I have heard and I do know that sometimes when someone transitions out of a moldy environment to a safe, clean environment, they can possibly become more symptomatic as their body then attempts to process everything they've been exposed to. So there was this mold processing happening, potentially, we'll never know for sure. At the same time, we're going into this lockdown. And to be honest, I thought this idea of lockdown was great. And I know it was very challenging time for many people. So not to disrespect or invalidate that. But for me, it was great because the whole world was slowing down and it just felt like a lot of external pressures had been removed as a consequence. So we were going into lockdown, which was quite a relief. But I think perhaps that removal of the external pressures gave my nervous system a little bit more space to process the reality of everything that had happened in the year prior. And I spoke a little bit about this in the grief episode about I feel like although I was making progress with my healing in 2019, there was a lot that was not being processed and probably I was in a lot of denial. And so I entered much more into some of those other stages of grief in the year of 2020 to 2021 and I think there was like a lot of emotional stuff emotional healing that was happening at that time but it probably didn't look like that much progress because there was actually a deterioration in my physical capacity which I was just trying to manage and cope with um, due to the possible mold exposure but maybe also just due to the processing of all the different emotions and a lot of things coming up to the surface to heal because there was finally some space for all of that to happen and at the same time I was unaware of this potential mold exposure that happened so 
I started to invest in more testing. My gut was a mess, so I had terrible digestion and I did some organic acids, I think, and I did some hormones testing, but I was spending all this money on this testing, but what I didn't know was about the mold and that was actually something that I really needed to address. So I can also tell you what I did wrong in that time was not getting to the root of what was really going on and investing a lot of money in testing and then trying to work on the things that were coming up in the tests without really getting to what was underneath all of those imbalances, which was the mold. So not really a lot to say from 2020 to 2021. I think if I was to say what helped at that stage of my journey was probably having the space. And that space was created from lockdown, really taking some of the pressure off. So at this stage in your journey, you may not be able to artificially engineer some, you know, a lockdown, a national global lockdown, but there may be parts of that that you could bring into your life. Like sometimes clients have to make the decision to stop working or they need to cut out relationships that are draining a lot of their time and energy and not supportive of their healing. So how can you create more space and take some of the pressure off would be like a little actionable step or something just to reflect on as I talk about this. So then it was 2021 things started to change. I think it was at the end of 2020. That's when I started to get on board with some of the nervous system work. And because of that, then I made the decision to um, become trauma informed. And I think I signed up to the trauma informed course with trauma and somatics, who I highly recommend at um, in like November 2020. And then the course started in January 2021. And so I did the trauma informed course It was at that point in time. I think I also started craniosacral therapy. Yes, it was actually at the end of 2020 that I started the craniosacral therapy. So probably learning about the nervous system, starting the craniosacral therapy, those were probably some of the most helpful things that helped in that year. And then also having the space to process. Then 2021, I was continuing with the craniosacral therapy, becoming trauma informed. And then I made the decision to kind of jump in with two feet and do the trauma training, my somatic experiencing practitioner training, which is a three year commitment. Initially, when I had considered it at the end of 2020, I was like, whoa, you know, three years is such a big commitment. I don't know if I can commit to that. And then the more and deeper I went into the trauma work, the trauma and somatics course that I did being a stepping stone, then I was like, okay, right, I'm ready. I'm going to go all into this. So there was a lot of nervous system work that began to happen for me and has continued to happen since 2021. And it was also in that time that I did DNRS, the Dynamic Neural Retraining System with Annie Hopper. I would say that was the one thing that got my digestion out of a hole. So I had since June 2019 suffered from chronic diarrhea. So I was having watery diarrhea sometimes 10 to 15 times a day. It would fluctuate depending on my cycle. So sometimes stools would be a little bit 
firm and normal um, at, for short periods of my cycle, but then it could be horrific at other periods of my cycle. And I did stool testing, I spent a fortune on supplements, I did elimination diets, I did everything under the sun. And when I started the DNRS, I started the DNRS for my energy, but the thing that it actually addressed was my digestion. And I finally started to regulate my bowel movements again. And still kind of had the ongoing post-exertional malaise and brain fog and fatigue. They may be slightly improved. Um, My relationship to them improved and my relationship to exercise improved. But the biggest thing that I think helped there was the digestion piece. It was also at the beginning of that year, I did a Nutrival test. And that is a test I like to use with my clients. It's a nutritional evaluation. So you get a really comprehensive overview of, you know, your need for vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and fatty acids and proteins. And it gives an indicator of heavy metals as well. And it was off the back of that that I started taking glutathione. And I would say that the glutathione was something that really made a difference and I've continued to take up until this day. Again, glutathione is an antioxidant. So I had already noticed a benefit from the curcumin, but the glutathione really took me to another level. And that was something that helped a lot with um, my periods. I had a lot less period flu, a lot less headaches, a lot less migraines around my period, that kind of thing. So if I was to summarize, I'd say 2021 to 2022 was like the year of the nervous system. Um, was doing craniosacral therapy, also did the DNRS, was taking the glutathione, stabilized my digestion, which really made a big difference, and um, identified that a low sulfur diet was something that was really beneficial for me. And then I did the low sulfur diet, the DNRS, and took some supplements to support small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, and that kind of combination just with the, the dietary change, the supplements and the DNRS, the, them together just really made a difference in terms of stabilizing my digestion. So those were the, the most helpful things from that year specifically. And by the end of that year, I was doing a lot of long walks. I was yeah swimming like a little bit and trying to do other little bits and bobs of exercise not very successfully but i was able to for example go on a three-hour hike that type of thing so i had a good amount of exercise capacity at that point in time and um, my cognitive capacity was also increasing from all of that work and then we get to 2022 And it was at the beginning of 2022 that I was reading more about mold and I decided I should actually do a test for myself. In my mind, testing for mold was, you know, these are mold testing was for the people who are really sick. And I didn't feel like I was a really sick person because I had a certain amount of capacity. But I just had the sense of, hmm, this is something I should just test, even if it's just to rule it out. And I did. And I tested positive for mold and began my mold detox. It was also around that time I was also starting to work one-on-one with a somatic practitioner. 
So that year I started the mold detox and very quickly after starting the mold detox where I was just the only thing I actually really did when I say mold detox was add in binders and more committed practice to the sauna because pretty much all the other foundations had been laid already in terms of diet and the gut work etc. So the mold detox was binders and sauna. I had forgotten to mention that at the beginning of 2020, I lost capacity to use the sauna. And that's why I suspect there was that mold re-exposure. So I revisited the sauna again. I was working, doing a lot of work on my nervous system. I had somatic sessions every other week. Um, I now do them monthly on a monthly basis. And I feel like I want to do somatic sessions on a monthly basis for the rest of my life. Because there's just always more stuff to work through as life continues to happen was also kind of like middle of the year time that I decided I needed to do a little bit more work on my gut. So I did like a second round um, of removing the sulfur foods, taking some supplements for SIBO, and then really adding in a lot of high quality probiotics. And that plus a parasite cleanse, full moon parasite cleanse, really made the difference with my digestion. So the full moon parasite cleanse is something I use a lot with clients as and when it's appropriate to do so for their case and in their healing timeline specifically. I know that I have passed several worms. Almost every time I do the full moon parasite cleanse, I'll pass at least one worm that I know about. My clients express the same and I definitely find that afterwards there's a jump in energy. My clients express the same as well. So there is something here, there's, um, and that's, that's a tool that I've personally found very helpful. And it's also something I see that's very helpful for clients as well. But where you place it in your healing timeline is quite important. We have to put the right things in the right time. Timing is so important when it comes to excess, um, to fatigue recovery. And so then the final thing I would say from that year is also just starting to exercise again. Very quickly after starting the mold protocol, I felt like I could start to exercise. And I've shared on previous episodes about how I built my exercise capacity back up. I think around about episode, um, episode 26, 27, I talk about it in more detail. But I just had a sense of knowing in my body that I could start to train again. And so I did. I built up very slowly. This was a year ago now. So when I think about where I was a year ago, gosh, like I was doing, taking baby steps compared to where I am now. But I started. And I always say to recover from a chronic fatigue or a chronic pain syndrome or even just any kind of chronic illness, we need a movement routine. However big or however small, we need to be moving our body because when we move, we build mitochondria. When we build new and healthy mitochondria, we're more efficient at making energy and we increase our exercise capacity, our capacity for stress tolerance, the capacity of our nervous system, the capacity of our cognitive function and the capacity for life in general. So Adding in more exercise and building up exercise is another really important part of the process. Knowing when and how to do it is where the nuance comes in. So just to kind of summarize what was beneficial from that year was discovering the mold, sauna and binders, parasite cleansing, more work on my gut, 
nervous system work ongoing and then exercise and adding it in in a more structured way. And even though all of that was happening in 2022 to 2023, underneath all of that, there was still the ongoing blood sugar work, the ongoing targeted support for certain nutrients, which I may need. Yin yoga was a big tool for me. I've already been always been pretty good in terms of sleep routine. So I'm not somebody who needs to be told to go to bed. I, I go to bed because I'm tired and um, I generally sleep pretty well. So sleep was always kind of a standard for me. Um, but all of this is continuing in the background, like eating really well, knowing what's good for my body, getting enough protein, all of that. And as I moved through this journey, little other things that I started doing was building muscle mass, increasing the protein in my diet, things like that have also made a difference as I've gone all the way through. And so now we are 2023 and my healing journey continues. I mean, I'm pretty functional. I have talked about this in previous episodes. You know, I work full time. When you run your own business, you work full time plus. Um, I'm exercising in the gym. Could I be exercising harder? Probably. I'm still a little bit cautious about really going for it, but I'm continuing to progress and getting stronger and I have more muscle mass and I can, for the most part, do anything I want to do. Um, you know, I still feel like sometimes I'm self-protecting and there are limitations and I'm kind of like feeling into those gently. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty well and functional in my day to day life. But the healing journey continues because when does it ever end? I don't know. But the things that I'm finding most supportive at this point in time are increasing my carbohydrates since being ketogenic. Now that I'm exercising often you know, between one and two hours a day. So I might do an hour of weightlifting and then do an hour of walking. Not necessarily every day, but that could happen in one day. And so I am pretty physically active. I've got a lot more muscle mass than I had a year ago. And this body that I'm in now needs more carbohydrate. So I'm finding I need to eat more generally. I need to eat more carbohydrates. I sometimes need to eat more frequently if I've weight lifted on a given day. And um, that's really supportive for me. Antioxidants around training, again, really supportive. Um, I was quite ill with a viral illness in December and my exercise recovery took a bit of a knock. So I've kind of added in more recovery support recently, but I feel like I'm in a place now I can taper that back down again. And then just continuing to work on the deeper layers of nervous system support. I want to share about this more in a separate episode. But recently I just got back from a training in London. As part of the training, you do a lot of your own healing work as well. And um, just that experience, I don't want to say too much now because I do want to talk about it in more depth in another episode. But what I will share is my experience on that training showed me that there's always another layer that you can work on in your nervous system. And I had the opportunity to work a layer deeper with my nervous system and it's it's taken me to another place physically. So that kind of work is ongoing. That was just something that happened in a practice session in on the training. So when another student, your 
you're lending your nervous system to another student so that they get to practice. But I had quite a profound experience working with another student. And it's something I've discussed with my mentor and we're going to factor that into our ongoing sessions together. So yeah, that's ongoing work. So that's a lot of information and just looking at the time as well. If I was to wrap it all up in a little summary list for you, the things that have helped me in my journey are blood sugar stabilizing, fasting, yin yoga, antioxidant support, giving space to process grief, feel, come to terms with where I am now, nervous system work, specifically somatic work, craniosacral therapy, DNRS, so dynamic neural retraining system or brain retraining. I might just say a little bit more about that in a moment. Testing to reveal personalized needs, so needs for certain nutrients. Addressing digestion, had to circle, do a few rounds of addressing digestion before I really got it right. Um, Parasite cleansing, and then introducing exercise when it was appropriate to do so. And there were so many times where I tried when it was inappropriate and that did not help. Um, and then just ongoing now, ongoing use of antioxidants and um, nervous system support. So where I would like to finish with this episode is just talk about things that have helped my clients. Because this was my experience. I gave you a little breakdown of my journey. One thing I'm quite conscious of is not projecting what's worked for me onto every client. I need to see each client as their own individual moving through their own experience and help them to prioritize things which are important for them, even if it's different to things or things outside of my experience. So just thinking of some of the one-on-one clients I've been working with recently, sleep. Sleep is such a big one. My sleep was never bad by any means it's definitely improved from some of the things I've done but I work with clients who have very disturbed and disrupted sleep and supporting them with that definitely makes a big difference in terms of how they feel day to day the other thing is mindset I think from the work I did previously or I mean all the work I've been doing across a lifetime I trained in NLP in 2008 and from that point onwards I've read mindset books I've done coaching courses I've traveled across the world to work with some incredible people and it's not to say my mindset is perfect by any means but um, personal development has been a big center of my life for many many years and therefore coming into my fatigue experience my mindset was in a really good place not to say I didn't have my down days we all do But I think mindset wasn't necessarily something I needed to work so hard to cultivate compared to some of the other people that I work with. So sometimes we need to cultivate a fatigue recovery mindset. And I've really seen big shifts in my clients just by changing the way that they think about things and the way that they approach things and the boundaries they set and how they communicate in their relationships. These things can make a significant difference. And so the next couple are just very, very specific things. I had a client who was getting a lot of headaches and she had a mold exposure. And when we changed the coffee that she was drinking to a 
mycotoxin-free coffee, it made a really big difference. And so sometimes small things can have a big impact. Likewise, another client who had a mold exposure, we took, um, we put it on like a low mycotoxin diet, which involved taking mushrooms out of her diet. And she said that prior to working with me, she was just, they were eating a lot of mushrooms as a family, just because it's what they did. And she really thinks that taking all the mushrooms out of her diet made such a big impact on how she felt day to day. So sometimes the little things are the big things. Digestion. I work a lot on digestion with my clients. Most of my clients do end up doing stool tests, not all the time. Do you see big steps forward in health when we address digestive imbalances as reflected in stool testing? Um, somatic work. So I work with my clients somatically on varying degrees. Obviously, I have my Nurturing Resilience program, which is a group program, which is a combination of self-study modules and then learning live somatic practices with myself and um, live teaching, etc. And I see constantly the impact of somatic work in that group program setting with the, those group clients. And I also see the impact of somatic work on the clients I'm working with one to one. Depending, again, some of my clients, we don't do any somatic work or I just give them a small handful of somatic practices and off they go. But then I have other clients who really do benefit from um, regular somatic one-on-one -on -one sessions. And I really see how that impacts their capacity and their symptoms. Blood sugar. Blood sugar always helps. Um, just general basics, cleaning up the diet, stabilizing blood sugar. See that work time and time again with clients. Parasite cleansers, as I've already spoken about. Again, timing needs to be appropriate for the client. But... Most of my clients will pass worms. Most of my clients feel better once the worms have gone. Not so good when you're passing them, but can really make a difference to health and energy. Anemia. I have a lot of clients with low iron, um, sometimes low B vitamins as well, sometimes both at the same time. So one of the things I got from my training with Dr. Karazian is if there's any anemia, you need to address that straight away because red blood cells are how we get oxygen to cells we need oxygen to make energy if you're not getting enough nutrients to make the healthy red blood cells to get the oxygen to the cell how can you expect your body to feel well and energized so that's like a priority to be addressed and sometimes people can feel really good really quickly when we address that then in addition to that um supporting specific nutritional needs so when we use targeted b vitamins depending on the client depending on what they have going on that can be really beneficial and then just a couple more to share i'm sure there are others but these are the main ones that really um grab me is routine so sometimes especially when people have fatigue and they're not working then they can be a little bit their days can have a lot not very much structure and they either don't do very much and they're understimulated or they're overdoing things and then kind of having this boom and bust crash cycle. So just stabilizing the day. When are you going to wake up? Can you get some light exposure first thing in the morning? When are you doing your nervous system practices? When are you moving? When are you eating? Just having a routine and a sense of stability can really, really help. And it gives people a sense of purpose. 
especially people who aren't working and have maybe lost that sense of purpose, their healing can become their sense of purpose and they have a structured routine to follow, which can feel very safe and very nourishing, provided it doesn't become like an obsessive overachiever thing. And then finally, exercise. Sometimes I've had clients who just needed a little push to start moving again. And when they do, they realize they can. And when they can, they feel so good. So again, this needs to be sensitively timed, sensitively dosed. But if we can get that in the picture and we can start building new mitochondria and healthier cells, um, then we're heading in a winning direction. So that is everything I have to share with you today. Again, just to say that healing looks different for everyone. But maybe what I've shared for you with you today gives you some food for thought, gives you some inspiration, gives you some ideas. Maybe if you're feeling like a little bit of a dead end, you realize there's some things that you're not doing or you hadn't even thought about yet or something you didn't think was that important. But now you're thinking maybe it is. So the whole goal of these podcasts is to help and support you and bring the information to you in an accessible way. And I hope that I've achieved that. And then obviously, if you do want more help and handholding with your healing journey, then that's something that I can do for you. There's different ways in which you can work with me. So we have the Nurturing Resilience Group Program, which is a 12-week program that you do as a group, which is nervous system specific. So learning somatic tools to help you support your nervous system in the here and now. I run that as a live program several times a year. So you do need to watch out for when the next live program is running. But it also is available as self-study, which you can join and do any time. Also with the option to upgrade to live coaching if you want more of a live experience. Then there's the Fatigue Recovery Roadmap. So the Fatigue Recovery Roadmap is a starting point for anybody who wants to work with me. Here I will evaluate your case that's looking at four different things. Your testing history, your symptom history, what your current symptoms are, what you're currently doing to support your body in terms of self-care, supplements, diets, etc. And then your health timeline. So all the different experiences that you and your nervous system have had from birth to current and how that's then presenting as it is today. So those are the four different pillars that we use to make an assessment of your case and then start to identify where the priorities are, where's the starting point for you. And then from that point, I can make recommendations about where to start, what diet might be helpful, what actions might be helpful, what supplements might be helpful, basically whatever you need as a first step in the direction of healing. So that's available as a one-off two-part process. We do the intake of all the information, then I go away, process it all, create a proposal for you, and then we meet again to discuss your plan and you can ask questions and kind of iron out any kinks. So that's a two-part process and then you can go away and follow the plan or you can choose to continue to have my support to action the plan. And that would be my six-month fatigue recovery process where we would then meet on a monthly basis to check in, see how you're doing, make adjustments, give you the next steps. Um, and you can also add one-on-one -on -one somatic sessions to that package. So the option to either meet monthly or bi-monthly and do some somatic work alongside the more physical functional medicine side of things. 
So the reason why I took a little bit of time to explain that all today in this podcast is because often people will message me and be like, oh, I live in America. Uh, can you help me? Or is there what packages do you offer? And so sometimes I think people are listening to the podcast and so they don't realize that I'm here to help you. So I do work with clientele in different countries. We obviously have to negotiate the time zones, but it is doable. I do. I am enrolling clients. I'm not one of those people who is too busy to see clients. I would love to see more clients with, within reason. Um, and I would love to help and support you on your journey if you think that I would be a good fit for supporting you. So I will leave you with all of that as fuel for thought. If you want to find out more about working with me, you can head over to my website or drop me a message. And um, until then, have a wonderful fatigue recovery day.